Hi, this is Gavin from FE News. I'm here at UCL, the Institute of Education, to chat with a bunch of experts, leaders in their field around what is the future of um, education and work, to also unpack some of their interesting research projects to see what we can learn and how we can take the sector forward. And I've got the pleasure of chatting with Martin Dole. How are you, Martin? Very well, thank you. It's nice that you say it's a pleasure. <laughs> Always. Um, can we have a chat about your upcoming lecture? Yeah, happy to. Um, the lecture's coming up in February, 20th of February, if you're interested. Uh, it's the second professorial lecture that I'll be doing. As somebody who sits in a chair at a university, you're required to do first a, a public professorial lecture at the outset, and then this is effectively going to be my valedictory professorial lecture. The chair's tenure has finished and now this is my summation of, if you like, of some of the things I've been thinking about as I've been working as a professor at UCL. I'll continue as a visiting professor but this is the end of my formal role here. Um, obviously you've got a lot of a deep background in the sector. What's the, the lecture going to be exploring and unpacking? Well the first lecture looked at the issue of defining further education uh, and it follows on to some extent from that first lecture where I recognised, I think, in trying to find a single definition that captured everything about what further education is, you just come up with a list of stuff. <laughs> uh, and actually, the definition of further education is pretty much as it's always been. Education that's not delivered in a university or a school, uh, which means that everything's piled in there for, for convenience. Uh, that's got its consequences as well in terms of the sector having, I would say, a lack of agency and influence because politicians and policymakers can play with bits of it without understanding the totality of the effect they're having and also it tends to have a constituency that it's serving that can't speak up for itself sometimes. So it's problematic. Um, my solution in the first lecture was to say it should be for every institution themselves to define more clearly what they're for, who they're for, and why they do things. So they could come up with a strategy that was longer lasting. And we'll see them through the ups and downs of policy and also in the face of funding constraints. So that was set it up. Uh, but one of the clear kind of pushbacks at me, which is right, would be to say that that's all well and good, Martin, but the biggest problem we've got is the money. And we've got to follow the money. Well, I'd argue you don't necessarily need to do that, and that's actually one of the key things about working out what your core purpose is, what you exist in order to do. You may have to do other things, contingent tasks, in order to satisfy the core, but actually you need to go back to that core all the time. Um, coming to this section, the second lecture, I'm much, I was kind of much taken with this is 2020, and it, there's been a rash of things in the press, and actually in the sector about 2020 vision or 2030 vision and I remember back to when all that went on when I was at the Association of Colleges in 2010 when we had a debate about colleges 2020 so over the Christmas I went and read some of those things and you know it wasn't that they were wrong but actually they were too specific because if you get into the business of trying to predict the future you're a mug if you try and do it in the detail so if you're going to consider the future I think my approach to the lecture has been to, to think not about the detail of what will or won't happen, or to even say what I want to happen, is but to say what are the key issues 
that we'll be facing? What are the key questions people need to be asking themselves about further education over the next 10 years? So I've come up with the... If you're right, so either being academic or being pretentious, and I'll leave people to judge that, the subtitle is The Future of Education, Dilemmas, Dualisms and Dialectics. So what it's actually we'll be talking about is <coughs> some of those key questions that actually come down sometimes presented as dilemmas. Um, the first dilemma could be, do we collaborate or we compete between providers? Another one could be, do we colleges and providers become generalist, stay generalist or become specialist? Are they serving a local place or are they serving national needs? And should we have a simpler system or do we have to have a complicated one? So those look like overall questions um, that need to be addressed. And I have to say, addressing those type of issues for me is probably going to be more to the fore in the 10 years ahead than it is about where's the money coming from. I think it's easy for me to say this here. Money will be improving over the decade, I think, because of the attention and prominence given to further education, because of what has been done in the preceding de decade. The critical question here will be is what's done with that money? And if you take it back to my first lecture about the sector having a lack of agency, how do we begin to fix that issue going forward? Well, part of it is my thing about defining what your core purpose is. But the second thing is for the sector to begin to think about those dilemmas or questions. Uh, now, in the lecture, I will argue, each of those dilemmas is not an eyeball. They're just always going to be constantly present. You're always going to be trying to balance off. I want to collaborate over here, but you know, I want to be the best over there and I want to compete. I want to try and serve my students with a general offer, but I don't want to just limit their aspirations to being a feeder to universities or a lower level provider only, although in some cases that might be the core purpose. Uh, and I don't only want to be so working locally, but I want to correspond perhaps with national standards and trends. So they're not eyeballs, they're constant tensions that will be ever present. And my argument, I think, in the lecture will be actually going back to an old tool, the dialectical pr process, you, instead of going always from a thesis, it's got to be collaborative. And then you go to antithesis, we need to be more competitive. So you go from a managed system to a autonomous system, a free market system, uh, and then you just flip between thesis and antithesis. The way out of this is to come up with a new synthesis. And it should be for every provider to work out their way that they're going to be both collaborative and competitive. How they're going to best need, meet the needs of their students by both being generalist and specialist. How they're going to be responding to local needs as well as being nationally relevant. And the one about complexity and simplicity actually comes down to, I think I'll probably conclude, you can either have a simple system that's unfair or a complex system that tries to attend to every individual in it, senses you want something that's both is coherent. So the synthesis there is coherence rather than simplicity or complexity, and the complexity be such it's necessary in order to get on with things. 
So that's the shape of it. You know, it. It's to work out some of those key questions and how people might navigate forward. Now. And it's not just for, for providers. It, particularly is if, if it seems possible, some of the constraints or some of the opportunities for colleges around uh, freedoms and autonomy might be more ascribed going to the next 10 years, as in Scotland they were in terms of a greater degree of direction. If that happens, those dilemmas revert back to the policy makers rather than just being handled. So these questions, collaborate or compete, local or national, general or special, specialist, and simple or complicated, are not just for providers, they're for policy makers. And I think those are the sort of questions that will begin to shape the future rather than having ourselves shaped by others. So Martin, you mentioned that 2010 we use IOCUs looking at what is the system of the future. At the moment we're going through many different guises as to what's in 2020, what's the next decade bring. And as you said, it is a bit of a shooting yourself in the foot for the future when you look back and reflect on things that if you've missed out, I don't know, AI or whatever, no one sort of thought that was going to be a big thing in 2010. Um, but what are the things that you would suggest we should be considering to be addressing in the future? I'm not saying that is going to be the system of the future, but what are the challenges that are now and potentially of the future that we should be looking to explore to, to bring in for the system of the future? Yeah, that's very interesting because as you say, when I was looking in 2010, 10, but all those things we said about 2020, AI wasn't mentioned. Uh, nor, interestingly, was something... In fact, it was mentioned, the apprenticeship level was mentioned, but actually everyone concluded it was too radical for a Labour government at that time. Then it was introduced by a Tory-led government in 2015, so go figure. Um, when you look to the future, what are the key issues? I think in the lecture I'm going to do some unashamed borrowing of ideas from other sectors and ways of looking at the world. And one of the key, couple of the key areas I'm interested in look is how economists, social economists, are looking at the shape of a future economy. Uh, and what I've called somewhat kind of self-grandly a post-market situation. I don't think, and everything I read from people like Westlake and Haskell and Paul Collier, is we're not going to go back to a plan-led world in terms of the government centrally tries to decide what's done at the delivery, point of delivery. But nor are we going to go forward, if you want to see it in those terms, to an even more marketised economy. That's not working. That's at a macro level, that's not working. So we're not going back, we're not going forward. What's the synthesis here? It's a post-market economy where you have elements of competition, but at the same time, structure. And we then need to think about what kind of structures will begin to incentivize behaviours without directing in detail those behaviours. Uh, and there I'm very interested to, to social science, you know, social psychologists' theory around things like nudge theory, which is the behavioural insights team have, have had a go around that. But there's a lot more to be done around there with people like Bin, Bin Moore and Caldini, I think, which is talking about reciprocity and how you build trust and how small interventions can have major consequences. So you don't try and control the whole of this system at all of its points at all of its times, 
you seek to control it at particular points, particular times. The danger of that is you just get into action, reaction, action, reaction. You don't get any constancy of direction of travel. So there I go back to a different set of theories. We're going to talk about military uh, strategy here, where actually you begin to sketch out broad lines of action that will inform principles that inform action and directions of travel. And then you keep to those. You don't, you don't move outside those arcs, which gives you direction. But you're not so concerned about the particular detail at the time, and you become agile within those boundaries. So, though I'm not going to tell people, because I wouldn't be so presumptuous to do that, how it's going to work. I'm just going to say these are some of the types of approaches that are going to need to be considered, and these are some of the places where we could fall going forward around this. If you come down to this generalist and specialist. We need to think, actually, as a sector, about what am I specialist in? What could I be specialist in? What, not just what I do the most of, but what I do not just best, but perhaps uniquely, which is I'm known for, which I can be seen as being the home of. And how, how do I work that out? I don't say things that's like, just like STEM, because that's too general. Is it textile engineering? Is it Bollywood film production? Is it uh, rap music? I don't know. But it's a working out how we work out what we're good at. And, and also how we need to complement that with a general provision which meets broader needs at the, lo the local level. And I think you get into considerations there about age spans. When does specialism kick in and when does general education? How do you fuse those two? Those are the sort of things I'll be handling, working out, looking at under the issue of general and specialist. When it comes to place and local or national, then I think I'm gonna, one of the big dilemmas I'll, I'll be wrestling with will be that between being for a place, which I think most colleges and providers, locally based community providers particularly are, and being of a place, which I say most universities are. So they, they are of the place, they're important in the place, but they're not directed at satisfying the needs of the skills in Manchester, Manchester University has an effect on it, but that's not their driving force, where it would be for Manchester College. But the counterpoint to that is to think, if we only do that, the college place becomes destiny. If the college only provides against local needs, and I want to be an engineer, and there are no engineering firms in my local area, how do I escape my place? So that we need to work through in terms of the nature of colleges, the natures of providers, which actually in a big circular, it goes back to my first lecture, is about how you set your own strategy, your own purpose, in order to see who you're serving, why you're serving them, and how you'll do that in the best way. And just to remind the audience, when and where is the lecture? 25th of February, Institute of Education, there's an event, bright page to put yourself down for, and there might even be a glass of wine afterwards if I can persuade the university's director to actually put his hand in his pocket. Martin, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Why not click subscribe so you can be informed when the latest next individual podcast or podcast mini series from FE News are going to be released.